Go ahead and grab your copy of God's Word and join me in Acts chapter 10. We're going to walk through Acts chapter 10 as we continue on in our series called Church on the Move. Our message this morning is entitled Checkmate. A couple of years ago, I was listening to a podcast. A guy was interviewing a chess grandmaster, and he asked him a couple of questions about how he plays and all the things surrounding chess, and the guy made this statement. It was one that really stuck out to me. He said, listen, he said, I have to think five or six moves ahead every single time I play a chess match. And I thought about that as we look at the text this morning and as we see that God operates in much the same way, that God is not caught off guard by anything, that God is always, as we see from Genesis all the way to Revelation, and especially as we've been seeing in the book of Acts, that God, like a master chess player, is moving the pieces of the puzzle around. He is looking and able to accomplish his plan and his purposes as he's working through the lives of ordinary people, as we talked about last week. And so this morning, as we cover Acts chapter 10, verses 1 through 48, I know it's a lot of text, but we're going to walk through it together, and I hope that it'll be an encouragement to you as we reflect on God's work through people's lives as he is accomplishing his plan and his purpose. And so I want to read for us, not all 48 verses, but I want to read what I think is just the crescendo of Acts chapter 10. So look with me, beginning in verse 34, this is what Luke records. So Peter opened his mouth and said, truly I understand that God shows no partiality, but in every nation, anyone who fears him and does what is right and acceptable to him. As for the word that he sent to Israel, preaching good news of peace through Jesus Christ, he is Lord of all. You yourselves know what happened throughout all Judea, beginning from Galilee after the baptism that John proclaimed, how God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and with power. He went about doing good and healing all who were oppressed by the devil, for God was with him. And we are witnesses of all that he did, both in the country of the Jews and in Jerusalem. They put him to death by hanging him on a tree. But God raised him on the third day and made him to appear not to all the people, but to us who had been chosen by God as witnesses, who ate and drank with him after he rose from the dead. And he commanded us to preach to the people and to testify that he is the one appointed by God to be judge of the living and the dead. Now to him, all the prophets bear witness that everyone who believes in him receives forgiveness of sins through his name. And while Peter was still saying these things, the Holy Spirit fell on all who heard the word. And the believers from among the circumcised who had come with Peter were amazed because the gift of the Holy Spirit was poured out even on the Gentiles." For they were hearing them speaking in tongues and extolling God. Then Peter declared, Can anyone withhold water for baptizing these people who have received the Holy Spirit just as we have? And he commanded them to be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ. And they asked him to remain for some days. Father, we ask this morning that you would open our eyes that we would be able to see 
that you would open our ears that we would be able to hear, and that you would open our hearts and our minds that we would be ready to respond to your word and to your spirit. And we ask all of this in Jesus' name. And everyone said, amen. As we look at Acts chapter 10 this morning, here is the main idea that's going to frame our time together. God's plan to accomplish his mission far exceeds our limited understanding and often stretches us beyond our comfort zone. So God's plan to accomplish his mission far exceeds our limited understanding and often stretches us beyond our comfort zone. So as we look at the text, beginning back in verse 1 of Acts chapter 10, what we're going to see is a story play out, this narrative. And I think it is one of the greatest stories, one of the most fun stories that I see in the book of Acts. In fact, it would be amazing if we could make a short movie about this story. What we're going to encounter is two people, one named Cornelius and one named Peter, who we're all familiar with already. As we've been walking our way through the book of Acts, he's been one of the central figures that God has used to preach the gospel of Jesus Christ so that many come to faith in him. But what we see beginning at the first part here in Acts chapter 10, and I want you to write down this truth, is that God's plan coincided with Cornelius's and Peter's faithfulness. So God's plan, God's work to accomplish his mission, it coincided or intersected with Cornelius and Peter's faithfulness. So let's look beginning in verse 1 through verse 16. We're going to encounter Cornelius here right at the beginning of Acts chapter 10. It said in Caesarea, there was a man named Cornelius. He was a centurion, which means he was a head soldier of what was known as the Italian cohort. He was a devout man who feared God with all his household, and he gave alms generously to the people and prayed continually to God. So this man, Cornelius, was not yet a believer in Jesus Christ. He had not yet heard the gospel preached to him. That's going to come later in Acts chapter 10. But what we find out is that he was a devout man. He was a Gentile, so he's not a Jew by birth, but he trusted in the God of Israel, the God of the Jews. And we see that because he was a devout man that the text tells us that that he was giving alms to the poor. That was a demonstration of his belief in the one true God. And he was also spending time in prayer. It says in verse 3, about the ninth hour of the day, he saw clearly in a vision an angel of God come and say to him, Cornelius. And he stared at him in terror, which when an angel shows up, that's usually what happens in the scriptures. And he said, what is it, Lord? And he said to him, your prayers and your alms have ascended as a memorial before God. So now send men to Joppa and bring one Simon who is called Peter. He is lodging with one Simon, a tanner whose house is by the sea. So when the angel who spoke to him had departed, he called two of his servants and a devout soldier from among those who attended him. And having related everything to them, he sent them to Joppa. So this story of God's plan of bringing salvation to the Gentiles starts with the intersection of Cornelius's faithfulness. That Cornelius has been 
praying. He has been offering alms to the poor. In fact, he has been searching for the truth of who God is. And he's not yet met Jesus, but this man is searching. He knows that there's got to be something there. He knows that the God of Isaac and Jacob, the God of Israel, has to be the one true God. And he doesn't yet know the full story of who Jesus is, but still walking in faithfulness to the Lord as he's seeking after him. Not only is that going on in Cornelius's life, but we also see the same things going on in Peter's life. It says in verse 9, the next day, as they, that's the men that Cornelius had sent to find Peter, were on their journey and approaching the city, Peter went up on the housetop about the sixth hour to pray. So Cornelius was praying. Now we find out that Peter is praying. And in their faithfulness, both of them praying, God is at work to bring about his plan and his purpose to get the gospel to the Gentiles. It's interesting in verse 10, it says that as Peter was praying, he became hungry. I don't know if you've had that experience or not while you're praying. Maybe you're mind wondering, or maybe you lose track, or maybe you're thinking about what's coming up next. But the same thing happened with Peter, and I find quite a bit of encouragement from that. But it says that he became hungry. He wanted something to eat, but they were preparing the food, and then he fell into this trance. And he saw the heavens open, and something like a great sheet descending from the heavens. It was being let down by its four corners upon the earth. And in it, verse 12 tells us, were all kinds of animals and reptiles and birds of the air. And there came a voice to him that said, rise, Peter, kill and eat. So if you're imagining this in your mind, this is the reason I think it'd be amazing for this to be on the big screen. You have what's going on here, I think kind of almost like virtual reality. So just kind of envision that a sheet coming down from heaven, all of these animals and reptiles and birds of the air are on this sheet and a voice, which is from the Lord says, get up and go kill something and eat it. Now here's the problem. Peter says in verse 14, by no means, Lord. For I have never eaten anything that is common or anything that is unclean. So Peter, harking back to his Jewish ancestry, harking back to the Old Testament, says that there are things, Lord, that you have prescribed in the Old Testament in these animals that we're not allowed to eat as Jews. So how can I do that? I want to remain faithful to you and walk in obedience to you. But notice in verse 15 that the voice came to him again a second time. What God has made clean, do not call common. And this happened three times, and the thing, that's the sheet, was taking back up into heaven at once. So we see this first truth that God's plan coincided with not only Cornelius praying, but also with Peter praying. As they're walking in faithfulness to the Lord, we see that God is at work in their lives. But not only that, the second truth we see in verses 17 through 33, that God's plan shattered Peter's paradigm for how God operates in the world. Now, this is going to be the moment where I hope it stretches us as we think about the application here in just a little bit. But verse 17 tells us that Peter was inwardly perplexed. He was confused as to what this vision might 
mean? And so these men who were sent by Cornelius had made inquiry for Simon's house, and they stood at the gate. They called out to ask where Simon, who is called Peter, was lodging there. So as Peter is pondering the vision, verse 19, the Spirit says to him, Behold, three men are looking for you. Rise and go down and accompany them without hesitation, because I have sent them. So Peter went down to the men, and he said, I'm who you're looking for. What's the reason that you've come? And so they relayed the story at the first part of Acts chapter 10. This man named Cornelius was told to come find you and bring you to himself so that you could share a message with us. So fast forward just a little bit. The next day he rose, he went with them, and some of the brothers from Joppa accompanied him. And on the following day, he entered Caesarea Cornelius was expecting them and had called together his relatives and his close friends. So Peter entered, Cornelius met him, he fell down at his feet and worshiped him, but Peter lifted him up saying, stand up, I too am a man. So as they talked in verse 27, he went in and found many persons gathered and they said, you yourselves know how unlawful it is for a Jew to associate with or to visit anyone of another nation. That was what Peter said to this gathered group of Gentiles. He says, listen, I'm not even supposed to be here because it's not what God has prescribed. But God has shown me that I should not call any person common or unclean. So that sheet of animals that came down, God's word that was spoken to him, Peter recognized that his paradigm, his understanding of what God was up to had just been shattered. That what he thought was the case, that he was not supposed to associate with these Gentiles, that they were beneath him, he realized in this moment that no, that's not the case at all. In fact, God is at work in the lives of these Gentiles seeking to bring the gospel of Jesus Christ to them. And so Cornelius relays to him the story. He says, here's what happened four days ago. Here's what God had spoken to me in my time of prayer with him. And he says, we want to hear what you have to say. And so the verses that we read there at the beginning, verses 34 through 38, we see this third truth that God's plan accomplished the mission of the gospel reaching the Gentiles. So God is the master chess player in this scenario, and God is moving the pieces on the board. God is intersecting Cornelius's faithfulness and Peter's faithfulness, and he's shattering Peter's understanding and his paradigm for how God is supposed to operate. And now, as we see in the last part here of the text, Peter preaches the gospel of Jesus Christ, and those who are gathered respond by faith. The gospel has gone from being proclaimed to the Jews primarily to now being proclaimed as Jesus commanded in Acts chapter 1 to the ends of the earth. The Gentiles are now hearing the gospel of Jesus Christ and receiving salvation and being indwelt by the Holy Spirit. And so what we see in the text is God at work moving the pieces on the board of making his plan happen in the world and using people to accomplish that and stretching them as God is working outside the regular paradigm of what they've always known 
for the end goal of the gospel reaching the Gentiles. So let's worship for a little bit again together, and then we're going to gather back around the word and ask the question, so how does what happened here in Acts chapter 10 apply to my life? We'll walk back through that together. So let's walk back through Acts chapter 10 and seek to apply what's going on, the truths that we talked about that occurred in the text. How do we apply those in our own lives? And so as we reflect on this main idea that God's plan to accomplish his mission far exceeds our limited understanding and often stretches us beyond our comfort zone, I think a great question to ask of ourselves is, are we walking in faithfulness to the Lord? You see, it's interesting to me, and I don't think it's by accident, that God is at work both in Cornelius's life and in Peter's life and is bringing the two of them together. But do you remember how that was accomplished? How God spoke to both of them? It was in their time in prayer. So both for Cornelius, who is not yet a believer, and for Peter, who was a believer, both following the Lord, Cornelius not knowing the full message of the gospel quite yet, and Peter having already preached the message of the gospel to a number of different people, but both of them are walking in faithfulness to the Lord. And I think for us, a great question that we can ask ourselves is, are we doing that? So believer, here's the question for you. Are you walking during this season in faithful obedience to the Lord? Are you spending time with Him? You know, it's amazing to me that God often speaks in a whisper, that God often speaks in mundane moments in our ordinary daily lives. You know, there's always this time where we are able to get away, maybe at a camp or maybe at a retreat or a conference or something like that, kind of the mountaintop moments where we think, man, I remember that moment when God spoke to me so clearly where I was impressed by the Holy Spirit about some issue in my life or I just felt closer to the Lord than I've ever felt. But I want to encourage you to ask the question, what about the daily walk of obedience? You know, Eugene Peterson called the Christian life, a long obedience in the same direction. And so in this season of quarantine, in this season of social distancing, my prayer and my hope is that we are not social distancing from the Lord, but that we are able to recalibrate, to retune our schedules in such a way that we can devote time to spend with the Lord so that we can walk in obedience to him so that we can spend time in his word so that we can spend time in prayer so that as we're able to gather around the TV every single week and spend time in worship as a family that we're able to commit to that and make that a priority that in our own personal time with the Lord that we have the opportunity to spend time in his word and to spend time in prayer the reality is christian growth doesn't happen by accident you don't magically wake up one day and grow closer to the Lord without putting in any type of effort. Now, we can't earn our salvation, but growth in our Christian life is steps of obedience every single day. And here in the text, that's exactly what we see happen. 
is that Cornelius, not yet knowing the Lord, is seeking after him, and Peter is seeking after the Lord, and the Lord is working in both of their lives to bring them together so the gospel can go to the Gentiles. So for us in this season, may we be faithful in our time with the Lord. May we set aside that time on a daily basis so that the Lord can speak to us and through his word to our hearts in such a way that it transforms our lives so that he prepares us for what he wants to do to accomplish his plan and his purpose. You know, not only that, but I want you to think about this. Maybe if you're watching and you're not a follower of Jesus, you're not a believer, you've not yet taken that step of trusting him as your savior. Isn't it interesting that Cornelius, not yet knowing that salvation was through Jesus Christ, is still walking in obedience to what he knows at that point. He is searching after the Lord. He is seeking after the Lord. He is desiring a relationship with God the Father. He is wanting that for himself and for those who are around him. And so he's taking steps daily for that to become a reality in his life. He doesn't have the full picture yet, but isn't it amazing that as he's seeking, that God sends someone to him to hear the message of the gospel. You know, one of my favorite verses is Jeremiah 29, 13, which says, you will seek me and find me when you seek me with all of your heart. Cornelius was seeking the Lord with all of his heart. He was walking in obedience to what he knew in the moment as he was waiting for the further revelation of who Jesus Christ is. And the Lord meets him exactly where he is and sends Peter to preach the gospel of Jesus Christ. The fact that salvation is only found in faith in Jesus Christ, what Christ accomplished on the cross and his resurrection makes it possible for us to have a relationship with our heavenly father. And so as you're watching this, and if you find yourself in the same position as Cornelius, can I encourage you today to recognize that this may be the moment just like it was for Cornelius. I don't want to call myself Peter, but I can promise you this. The message of the gospel that Peter preached is the same message of the gospel that I am preaching today. That you can be saved from your sins if you will place your faith and trust in Jesus Christ. And you may have tuned in online and you have been searching and you've been wondering what can I do? How can I experience my life being transformed? How can I have a relationship with my Heavenly Father? It is through Jesus Christ. You can experience the same salvation that Cornelius and those who were gathered with him experienced. The same message that changed their lives can change your life as well. So that's the first question as we think about applying this to our life. But here's the second question. Are we willing for God to shatter our paradigm or our expectations or our preferences for how he's working? Are we willing for God to shatter our paradigm, our preferences, our expectations for how he is at work? You know, for Peter, Peter had certain expectations. As that she came down, Peter said, whoop, 
I'm a rule follower. I can't eat those things because God said I couldn't eat those things. And then the Lord speaks and says, oh no, Peter, rise, kill, eat. What I have called clean, you can't call unclean any longer. So Peter's paradigm for how God was at work shattered in that moment. And his eyes were open to recognize that the gospel was not just for the Jews. The gospel was for the entire world. Let me ask you that question. Are you willing for God to shatter the paradigm that you have created in your mind for how he is supposed to work? I think that's what this season has done for us. As we think about a global pandemic, God has shattered the paradigm for much of what we thought he's supposed to do. I mean, think about that. Churches closed from meeting physically in a building. How many of us ever dreamed that that would be the case? But innovation has taken place and the gospel of Jesus Christ is continuing to be broadcast through social media and through word of mouth. And we're continuing to see people recognize and hear who Jesus Christ is. And so for us, this season that we may not like a whole lot may be exactly what God needed to send to shatter the paradigm for what ministry is all about. Church family, I've said this from the get-go when we started moving through this process of building a building. I told you from the beginning that our goal is not to build a building. Our goal is to reach people for Jesus Christ. The building is simply a tool to accomplish that mission. And how real has that become in our lives over the last month and a half? Where we've been out of a rented building, where our building is being built right now, but the church is not able to gather physically, but we're still the church. We're still to accomplish the mission that God has set before us. And so in a sense, I'm looking and saying, maybe we got a little bit of a big head as we've been walking through this process. Maybe some of us have put our hopes and dreams in a building and God shattered our paradigm for how ministry is accomplished. Maybe for you, that same thing's happened in your own life as a family. Maybe you've been doing a lot of different things. Maybe you're feeling like leading up to this season, you were stretched beyond what you could do as a family. You were committed here and you were committed there. You had travel ball, you had work, you had other commitments that you were seeking to fulfill. And the Lord in that moment shattered that paradigm for what life looks like for you. And maybe that's exactly what God needed to do to break you out of a mold that you'd not really even question whether it was healthy or not. Maybe for you, what the Lord knew was happening is that your family was headed down a road that the results of that are going to be kids walking far away from the Lord. The results of that are going to be grandkids one day not walking with the Lord because it wasn't important for their parents. And for you, maybe the Lord shattered all of what's going on, your paradigm for life, so that you could pause and reflect and ask the question, God, how do you want to work in my family? God, how do you want to work in our church so that your plan and your mission can be accomplished? You know, most of us don't like when our paradigms are shattered. Most of us don't like when our preferences are ignored. Most of us don't like when the things that we want to see happen don't happen. But right now, we don't have a choice. 
We don't have the option, and I hope and I pray that we will not come in on the back end of this season and think that things just go back to normal. My hope is that families are transformed as a result of this, that we see how valuable it is as a family to make sure that the main thing stays the main thing. The same thing holds true for us as a church. Maybe for us, the paradigm's been shattered so that the building is not the goal, but reaching people for Jesus is the goal. I hope that our paradigms are shattered. I hope for us that this gives us a season to recalibrate individually as a family and as a church to get on board with the mission that God has called us to fulfill. And here's the third question. As we think about the truths that we saw in the text, who does the gospel need to reach in our life, in our circle of influence? Who does the gospel of Jesus Christ need to reach in our life and in our circle of influence? You see, for Peter, the paradigm that he had was shattered. The gospel was no longer just for the Jews. The gospel was also for the Gentiles. That's where the message needed to go. And God shattered Peter's paradigm and then put him in a position to proclaim the gospel to the Gentiles. And so for the very first time, the gospel had moved outside of predominantly Jewish circles to get to the Gentiles. That's you and me. Had this not happened, you and I would not have heard the gospel. But praise God, it did happen. Praise God that Peter's paradigm was shattered so that the gospel could get to the Gentiles. But as paradigms are shattered right now, who does the gospel need to get to in your life? Who do you need to share the truth of what Christ has done in your life with? Does God desire and seek to use you to talk to one of your kids that's sitting around the TV with you right now? Maybe it's a neighbor that you have an opportunity to talk with that all of this has created those moments and those opportunities for you. Again, social media is being used more now than it has been used ever and maybe for you, the paradigm has been shattered and you realize for the first time, I can proclaim the truth of who Jesus Christ is, not necessarily with my lips, but with my words on a computer screen where I have friends and family members that don't live here and aren't close by, but I can share with them who Jesus Christ is. And so my prayer for us is that as we look at how God moved and how God worked in Acts chapter 10, that we would so desire God to continue to work in our lives and in our church in the exact same way. That as we are walking in faithfulness and sensitive to the Lord leading and guiding us, that as our paradigms are shattered, we would open our eyes and look around us and ask the question, who does the gospel need to get to? God, in my circle of influence, how can I be used just like Peter was used to proclaim the hope that can be found in Jesus Christ? My hope and my prayer is that this season for us would be a similar season that they experience in Acts chapter 10, where the gospel was flourishing because People were willing to have their paradigm shattered and willing to open their eyes and look at what God was already doing and join him in his plan to accomplish his mission. 
Let's pray together. Father, we love you and we thank you for our time in your word. We thank you for the way in which you are working now as you were working in Acts chapter 10. Father, for the reality that we have and seeing paradigms being shattered and openness right now to the gospel of Jesus Christ being proclaimed. Would you help us to walk in obedience with you daily, to be faithful and sensitive, to share the hope of the gospel with those in our circle of influence, that we would see a great harvest because of the seeds that are planted during this season. So Lord, use us as your church, use us as individual believers to accomplish your mission and to join in your plan right now. It's in Jesus Christ's name we pray, amen. Let's continue to worship together.